I'm glad Charlotte shared that today. Uh, we've known for a couple of weeks, and we wanted to shout it from the housetops. So, but we didn't. <laughs> it took every strength I had not to do that. Bless the Lord God. Turn again to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to start reading at um, verse 22. Proceedingly, I said that we, we have not come to Mount Sinai, which represents the law. And all reality, the bondages of the law that uh, kept people. It was a law that it was humanly impossible to keep just in our natural abilities. I said, we not come to Mount Sinai where Moses got the law, but we've come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven. And God, the judge of all, the spirit of just men made perfect, and, the, and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than, the, than that of Abel. There are ten things listed there. And this morning the Lord said, look at what the number ten means. Simply it means uh, oriental, or no, it means that a, a starting of a new order. The number 10, as you, go, you know, you start with zero and go one through three through nine, and then it starts 10. It's a new order. You understand what I'm saying? We had Sinai. We had the old law, 10 commandments. It was, an, it was the old order. But we not, we're no longer around Mount Sinai. We're headed and in Mount Zion. It's a new order. And does that thrill anybody besides me? It's a new order. It's no longer trying and to keep yourself under the old covenant and trying to keep the law and keep uh, trying to thou shall not lie or whatever the case may be. This, it's, it's a new order which enables us. It strengthens us. It gives us the capability to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Just a little bit of review. It says Mount Zion represents a whole new approach from and to God. It represents a new, crea new creation people who have so laid hold of God that sin does not rule as king in their lives. Romans 6, and, and, uh, six verse 6, 7, and 12 through 14, if you want some references there. They are a people that have have his name and his father's name written in their foreheads, in their thinking. 
Revelation 14.1. There's a new mode of worship which flows not from their natural being, but from their hearts and their spirits. It is the heart that realizes it has been redeemed, cut off from the sin nature. Revelation 14.3. They follow, they follow, uh, they follow the, the will and purpose of the Lord, the Lamb, wherever he leads. Again in Revelation 14, verse 4. This overcoming first fruit company has no guile, no deceit, no lie in their lives, and they are faultless before the throne of God. Revelation 14, 5. That's the new order. That's the, the new creation man in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. The verb form really is our becoming new. It's a process. Everything in God is a process. We would like, you know, a light switch. Well, it's more like a dimmer switch. And more and more light comes in and more and more darkness goes out. Blessed be his name. Back in verse 23, Hebrews 12. The general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Rotherham translation says, of the firstborn ones. It's not a sink to everything God is doing. The Lord Jesus was the prototype. He was the firstborn among many brethren. He's the one that came and, and set the pattern. But it's the firstborn among many brethren. He's wanting a lot of brethren and sistren to follow behind him and become conformed to his image. My holy God, his purpose is to have a people in and called for his name and for his glory to bear his likeness. His purpose is to have a people for his namesake. The body of Christ is a corporate expression, not a singular entity. It's a corporate expression. And it lives and moves and has its being in Christ Jesus. That's why he says he's renewing our mind so we don't think like we used to think. I'll give you an example. Just, I'm sure all of you at some point at, by now, your walk with the Lord, you don't think about things that you used to think about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They don't even enter your mind. Where before, they were forefront in the mind. Well, it's the weekend. What does it mean to have the weekend? Oh, we go out and party and go whatever, do, do whatever all weekend long, and then we drag ourselves back to work on Monday. Well, you know what? 
I discovered a long time ago, I, I used to work with a bunch of carpenters and so forth that uh, we worked a lot of weekends, and then after we got done with the job, it would be maybe 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, they'd go out and close the bar out. And the next morning, they wanted to use rubber hammers. <laughs> Get the idea? And I wasn't as nice as I, I am now. One of them had particularly, was a, a little bit hungover. And so I took a two by four, about this long, put it and held it with my foot underneath my foot and put tension on it and let it go. Bam! And that's exactly what he did. He goes, he couldn't do, say anything to me because I was the vice president of the company. But the whole idea was that that was fun for them. It may have been fun for some of you, but now you don't even think in that mode. What happened? You had a change of thinking, had a change of heart, a change of purpose. You know, I've never regretted being drunk in the spirit. And I love the Holy Spirit hangover. And you understand what I'm saying? Blessed be his name. Glory to his holy name. The church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, Again, I want to do a little bit of review because uh, I want to go back into Genesis 25 with Esau and Jacob. And you know, the, you know the story there. Esau came in from the field and he was famished and he said, and uh, Jacob was making some red bean lentil soup of some sort. And Esau said, give me some of that, that soup, for I'm, I'm faint, I'm about to die. Of course, he wasn't, he was just hungry. Now Jacob, the um, surplanter that he was, took, wanted to take advantage of that and said, Oh, I'll give you a bowl of my, my lentil soup if you'll sell me your birthright. And, and Esau, which he's also known as Edom, and this hate, hatred for the Jews is shown in Numbers 20 where Israel was coming out of Egypt and wanted to go through Edom to the promised land and they would not let them. So Esau actually, Edom means red. And so Esau is also the, the nation of Edom. So there's always been that enmity there. So Jacob said this, he said, I'll, 
give me, sell me your birthright. And Esau's saying, well, what good is my birthright because I'm about to die? So he said, yeah, I'll give it to you. It doesn't mean anything to him. We have to be careful that our birthright in Christ is so diminished that it, we don't esteem it because it was free to us that we don't esteem what he paid. Anybody understand what I'm saying? It's so easy for us to become a child of God. Sometimes we don't realize what a great thing it is to be redeemed. Blessed be his name. But just some three, at least three significant things of uh, the birthright. There's more, but I'm just going to use these three. The firstborn uh, were particularly consecrated unto God. Exodus 22, 29 says, And ye shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce, of your juice, the firstborn of your sons shall be given to me. So that shows there two things right there. The firstborn and the first fruit, which is the juice and the fruit, are of the same thought. All right? And they're to be given. They were the best. The first fruits, the first of the animals, first of everything that was born was the best that was going to be produced. It brought the greatest price. I said, the firstborn and the first fruits are mine. With the birthright, you also had a double portion of the father's goods. See, the firstborn was supposed to take care of the parents as they got older and weren't able to take care of themselves. Deuteronomy 21:17 it says, but he shall acknowledge the son of, of the hated for his firstborn. So it didn't matter if it was his favorite wife or his last uh, unfavorite wife. The firstborn was the firstborn as far as God was concerned. By giving him a double portion of all that he has, for he is the beginning of his strength, the right of, of the firstborn is his. So... And the third one is, he has a priestly and a chief governmental authority in, in the affairs of the family. For they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel. I have uh, taken them for myself instead of, of all, that is open, uh, all that opens the womb. The firstborn of all the children of Israel. Um, the firstborn of the children of Israel. For all the firstborn among the children of Israel are mine, both men and beast, on the day that, that I have uh, struck all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, I sanctified them for myself. See, in Egypt, the firstborn was worshipped. That was the last god that they attacked, that he attacked. All his, every one of the 
plagues was against one of their gods. So we are consecrated. When he talks about us being the firstborn, that means we're consecrated unto the Lord. We have a double portion of his inheritance from the Father. Oh, think about that. You've got a double portion. Oh, hallelujah. And you have a governmental and priestly anointing upon your life. Bless the Lord God. Bless the Lord God. In Hebrews 12, uh, 17, it says, For you know that even afterward, when he wished to secure the blessing, talking about Esau, that he was rejected and found no opportunity for undoing what he had done, though he sought the blessing earnestly with tears. Genesis 27 again, verse 41. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said unto in his heart, The days of my mourning for my father are very near. Of course, history tells us it was 44 years until, until he died, until Isaac died. And when, when he is gone, I will kill my brother Jacob. Herbert Lochner, who wrote the uh, books on all the men of the Bible and whole series of all the things of the Bible, different things of the Bible, said Esau lifted up his voice and cried, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But his repentant prayer was directed not to God, but to Isaac. He wasn't, he didn't he despised it so much he didn't realize that he was to be a gift solely and consecrated unto God. That didn't mean anything to him. All he was missing was the monetary, material thing. That's what he was sorry for. But his repentant prayer was directed not to God, but to Isaac. In the whole of Genesis, Esau does not mention the name of God. Esau only repented of his bargain, not not his sin. Further, all Esau brought a thought was to restitution, not pardon. He had lost one blessing and sought another. God was was not only uh, God was not in his thoughts, and his he was, had therefore abided by the consequences of what he had brought upon himself. Very, he was extremely angry. And when I had mentioned this before, the Lord just punctuated with this. And anger is a very powerful emotion. During times of anger, your true nature will be exposed because you will lose your civilized demeanor and cast it aside, and your true nature is unleashed with all of its pent-up emotions hurtful language, and aggressions. When Holy Spirit imparted that to me, I wrote it down and said, Oh, my Lord. That's exactly right. 
our, uh, our birthrights in Christ. Oh, I love this. In Romans 8, 29, it says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be a firstborn among many brethren. Oh, God. So before you were born, I knew you. Psalm 139 says, He designed you. He put you together. Blessed Jesus. Galatians 1.15 says, But when it pleased God, He separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. We've been separated unto Him. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My God. Second Peter 1.3 According to his divine power he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The first part is what was the part of the first part? It was born, you're, you're consecrated unto God. So our, in Christ, we're separated from our mother's room. We're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. See the parallel. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us on, uh, to glory and virtue or moral excellence. My God. Given us all things. Double portion. My God. Romans 8.37 Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors to him that loved us. Provision and authority. Revelation 1.5 And from Jesus Christ, who is faithful witness, the, the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, and unto the, him that loved us and washed us. But the, the oldest uh, scripts, or oldest uh, written, says it's not lutron, it's luo. Lutron means washing. Luo means to loose, unbind, or release from a bound. Unto him that loved us and loosed us from our sins. That's what bound us. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to be washed clean, but he not only just took them away, he released us from the bondage of them. Can you hear this? Blessed be his holy name. He loosed us from our sins. The word in there is, in fact, E-N, which means at rest in, oh God, his own blood. It's not a matter of being... Hear how I'm trying to say this. It's a matter of... There are... Each one of us at times, there are things that come up in our lives where we need to be cleansed again. I know what I'm saying. So it's... To me, when it says that we, we're at rest in his blood... 
that means there's a constant cleansing available for us. It's not a coming in and out. It's not the word ace where you come into. This is the word in, which means I at, I'm at rest in the midst of it. I'm surrounded by it. Oh, God. There's no sin that you can do that would remove you from his ability to cleanse you and forgive you. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? My Father. My God, my God, my God. Jesus, we love you, my God. Verse 6, And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He's made us kings and priests. That's his purpose. We're not some emaciated little Christian walking around. He says, you are, I'm, making, I'm making available to you, I'm desiring for you to be kings and priests unto me. Walk in my ways. Walk in my purposes. Be cut off from your sins. Put on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. The word peculiar means a people of possession. The world thinks we're peculiar, strange. But what God is saying is, I've bought you. I've purchased you. You are mine. Revelation 14, it says, the thought there is, that he been re re redeemed from the uh, from uh, the earth. The thought is that he went to the marketplace of sin and bought the slave to sin. Can you understand that? He paid the price, so you never have to be slave to sin the rest of your life. I know this is simple, but it's so profound to me. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should, here's why, that you may show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Xavier, you come up here real quick because I'm going to pick on the three guys. Oh, yeah, come here. Ezra, come here. As I was scanning, I didn't see him. Come here, boy. This is a new generation. Not only is it a new generation, but it is a chosen. Faith, come here. Come here, girl. Jake, yeah. Come here. Come here, Emmy. 
Come on, you two. I know you're old and so forth, you know. You're the next generation. That he's chosen. See, none of you are an accident. None of you are without his forethought. None of you are without his purposing. None of you are without the desire for you to become in his image. You're a chosen generation. Next thing might sound a little scary in a royal priesthood. I'm not saying that you have to become a pastor or elder or prophet or whatever, but I see that in, in you. The potentials are there. It's God's calling. And all of you are intelligent enough. All of you are capable enough to know that what God's calling doesn't his calling is without repentance you can run away from it but it doesn't mean that you can run away from what he's called you to do you are lights in the midst of darkness you may never stand behind the pulpit and deliver a message but wherever you are your light in the midst of the realm of darkness that's around you, at your school, at when you go to college, and where, wherever you are in your nursing program, you are a light in the midst of, midst of darkness. You, when you go into the room, you're not, that's just not another patient. That's an, a, an, an opportunity to shed light into their lives. Most of you are in secular schools. My God, what an opportunity. There's, no, there's not much darker place than there is in our schools right now. What we thought would never, ever happen is commonplace now. The things that we thought were totally so far and so far out sinful are what they face every day. Every day even in Christian schools. Just because it says Christian doesn't mean it's holy. You're a royal priesthood. You are different. That doesn't mean you're weird. That means you've been separated unto him. That makes you different. Chosen. Thank you. Better word. You are chosen. Being chosen means you cannot be like other ones. It won't never fit. Can you understand that? What attracts some of your friends isn't attractive to you. Thank the Lord for that. He's given you, a, he's given you a, a different ability to say no to that which would destroy you. Greater is he that's within you 
than he that's within the world. That would try to destroy you. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a precious possession you've been bought and paid for. Your life is set in Christ. Your challenge is to find out what God wants you to do and how what purpose he has for you because he has a purpose for each one of you. I've already seen how you have brought Daniel here. You guys got a little evangelist on your hand. You understand what I'm saying? You love Jesus and you want other people to love Jesus. You all love Jesus and you want other people to know the joy that's in your heart that does not fade with circumstance but it's an everlasting joy. And allow the Lord to speak in and through you by who he has made you. You don't have to preach to them. Your life is already a sermon to them. They already know there's something different about you, and it's a good difference. In all reality, they'd never tell you this, but they wish they could be like you. They really do. And that's why they may harass you and so forth, because you, in fact, are a shining example of what they should be. And they want to try to poke at you and prod you and see if they can make you slip so that makes them feel better. My whole working world, my time, they constantly tried to do that to me until they figured out it wasn't going to happen. And so when I went on a job site, when they saw me coming, as I could hear, they didn't realize I could hear, but when they, I approached, they said, here comes Chuck, clean up your act. Well, I had never said anything to them about swearing, never seen anything to them about off-color jokes or anything, but they knew because of who he was in and is in me that that wasn't acceptable. All right, you can go back to Where'd it go? Yeah. That is the case. 
But there's a reason why two weeks in a row the Lord has impressed upon both Pastor and Sister Carly in the house for us to uh, specifically mention things to you guys. I want you to be encouraged by this, that the Lord sees you. Yes. And you're going to encounter things maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, in the next month, whatever it is, where you're going to need this additional encouragement. So rest assured and, and refer back to these times and say, Lord, you saw me even before that was going to happen. Yes. And you loved me enough to reassure me for these times. Because I used to think differently when I was younger that the, the enemy used to try to steal things from me whenever I had a great service. But in actuality, I look at it now more proactively and say, Lord, you saw what was going to happen, and you decided just to pour a little more extra love on me. Yes. So that's exactly what has happened two weeks in a row now. So it's not something to be afraid of, but it is the encouragement to see that, Lord, you know right where I'm at, and you know what's going to happen in the next few weeks, and you cared enough for me to say, here's what I'm going to do to speak a special word for you. So be encouraged in that. And speaking of the evangelist, there was a girl in her class, I'm going to tell a story on it, for sure. There was a girl in her class that said, are you Christians, or do you love Jesus, or like that? And she said, my hand could not shoot up strength. She declared yes. that she loves the Lord. And all of us would have that boldness. But all of us would have it. So be encouraged, guys, that we love you. And even more so, the Lord sees you right where you are. Right where you are. Amen. Again, he knows who you are. He knows, as Pastor Clark said, he knows what's before you. Word of God tells us is that he goes before and follows after. He's your forward guard and your rear guard. All right? Each one of you has a deposit of the Lord Jesus Christ within you. A great deposit. And is sufficient for what's ahead of you. More than sufficient. It's abundantly above more than you could ask or think. His purpose for you is far beyond your wildest imagination. I've told you, you know, all this before. That at first, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. And besides, my dad said, I believe in healing, and you want to be a doctor? I said, well. <laughs> but then I got my degree in architecture and went into the Army. When I went to job interviews, they said, what is your uh, raffle number? I said, 95. We'll see you when you get back for the draft lottery number. They took everything from 150 down. <coughs> that didn't defer God. He kept us. He kept us here in the States. What they trained me in, I could have gone to Vietnam. But he kept me here. He goes before. He already knows what he wants you to do, what he's purposed you to do, and he will keep you if long as you remain faithful to him, he will keep you and bring you to his expected end. 
his expected end for you. That's our birthright. And just think about one of the birthrights was a double portion of your father's inheritance. Now just concentrate on that for a little bit and let it blow your mind. Who is your father? Your heavenly father. Exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ask or think. Let's stand, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your, the move of your spirit within our house, my God, today. We thank you for moving on so many hearts, my Lord. And the blessing that you have of your presence that have just rested on, on us this day. Lord, we, for all our young people, my God, we pray that, as you prayed in John 17, Lord, keep them from the evil one. Hedge them about, my holy God. Even as we prayed and hedged them about last week, my God, that same hedge of protection is about them. The word says, I, I set angels in charge round about them that fear me, that revere me. So, Lord, we just set your angels in charge round about them because they fear and love you, my God. You keep them. You guard them, my God, against the, the, the wiles of the enemy, God, that would try to steal and destroy what you have placed within them. See, the enemy wants to, my God, truly would want to come and uh, change their, their purpose. But, God, your purpose is unchangeable. Lord, come and Strengthen them. Encourage them, my God. Enlighten them to uh, ways and purposes you have for them. And let your name, my God, continually be called upon their lives. Continue, my God, to be purposed in and through them. Not only them, but in all of our lives, my God. Lord, let our, your name be quick upon our lips. Upon our, within our hearts, my God. And let truly there be that resting of uh, presence and uh, safekeeping, my God, that continually goes with us wherever we are. That you go before us and you follow behind us. Seal this words to our hearts, my God. In the mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can you say amen? amen. Lord bless you. See you next week or Wednesday night.